Good afternoon, everybody. Again, a special welcome to any, everybody worshiping with us, especially the guests and those that are watching online. Special welcome to Reverend Jansen as well, who is leading us in worship this afternoon. Our call to worship comes from Psalm 95, the first two verses. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And it's good to be in your midst again. Shall we rise as we meet the Lord in worship? As we lift up our hearts to the Lord, we confess our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. The Lord greets us with his blessing, grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's sing the praises of our God with Psalm 61, the stanzas 1, 3, and 6. Let's bow our heads and seek the presence of God's Spirit as we open his word. Gracious God, 
everlasting Father, it is indeed with thanksgiving and praise that we approach your throne in prayer. You gather us in worship of you for a second time today, and you are the one true God. And we acknowledge that our purpose in life is to live to your glory, to reflect who you are in all of life, to be loving and loyal as you are. Lord, we pray, have that show in our worship this afternoon. Have us listen closely as we open your word, as we're instructed in your truth regarding prayer. Have your servant proclaim your truth, the gospel of salvation. Yes, have us see the Christ, have us see the wisdom of the Christ in teaching us to pray. And so enlighten our minds, encourage us in our hearts, and shape our will to conform to your will. Hear us, O Lord, for we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Scripture reading this afternoon is from the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read the verses 5 through 15. Verses that speak of the teaching of the Lord's Prayer. There we read in God's Word, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. As far as the reading from God's Word, may the Lord bless it to our hearts. Let's now sing of praying to God with Psalm 19, the stanzas 5 and 6.
This afternoon we turn to the Confession of the Church, the Heidelberg Catechism, and we'll be considering the necessity of prayer and how prayer is to be proper along the lines of question and answers 116 and 117. There it's asked and answered, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Because prayer is the most important part of the thankfulness which God requires of us. Moreover, God will give his grace and the Holy Spirit only to those who constantly and with heartfelt longing ask him for these gifts and thank him for them. What belongs to a prayer which pleases God and is heard by him? First, we must from the heart call upon the one true God only who has revealed himself in his word for all that he has commanded us to pray. Second, we must thoroughly know our need and misery so that we may humble ourselves before God. Third, we must rest on this firm foundation that although we do not deserve it, God will certainly hear our prayer for the sake of Christ our Lord as he has promised us in his word. During the sermon, we'll be reading from Luke chapter 18 and in response to the sermon, we'll sing Psalm 17. Stanza three. Dear children of God, brothers and sisters in Christ, guests, there's a lot of praying that happens in our world. Here, especially in North American society, when, when something terrible happens, it's often said, our prayers are with you. And people facing a difficult time will say, we covet your prayers. Once drove past a church with a sign that read, let's pray for the world. And so the idea is popular that when you feel need, you should pray. And it often seems the greater your need, the more praying you need to do. And popular is the notion, uh, the more often you pray, and the more people that are praying for the same thing, the more chance of success. There's something wrong with that, though. Wrong in the sense of it's not true to the Bible. It sounds right, but it isn't right. Christians don't just pray when they feel need. Christians don't pray more when need increases. Because need is always there. Need, actually, of the deepest sort. And the number of prayers or, or the number of praying people doesn't improve the chance of success. We just read how the Lord Jesus said, heaping up empty phrases has no effect on your prayer being heard. God knows what you need before you even ask Him. And so this afternoon, let's learn the biblical why and how of prayer. God's instruction on the means and on the necessity and manner of our prayer. The message is pray. Your life depends on it. And we'll consider why we have to pray and how we are to pray. The reason for praying, the manner for praying. In Lord's Day 44, the question is asked whether those converted to God can keep the commandments. And the answer was a blunt no. 
Even the holiest have only a small beginning of the obedience which God requires of us. Well, that raises the question, why then have the commandments um, preached so strictly? And among others, the answer was that those converted to God would pray. And so it is that Lord's Day 45 begins with the question, why is prayer necessary for Christians? Necessary. Note this, prayer is a must. It's a must, even for Christians. Even for those who who have turned to God. If a person doesn't pray, that person can't be a Christian. Prayer is as much part of a Christian's life as, as, as breathing is for a human being. That's why Scripture says, for example, to Christians, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For you know, boys and girls, you know this, right? If you stop breathing, you stop living as a human. Well, if you stop praying, you stop living as a Christian. And so the Catechism speaks of prayer as the most important part of the thankfulness that God requires of us. The most important part. In what way? The Scripture teaches that our thankfulness to God for His benefits is expressed through us doing good works. We have the practice of referring to the Ten Commandments, for example, as the rule of thankfulness. The rule, the Ten Commandments, boys and girls, they're like a ruler a ruler by which we measure good works. A ruler like a measuring tape is a rule for distance. And a thermometer is a rule for temperature. And a speedometer is a rule for speed. And, and a mirror, you could call it a rule for whether you look good or not. Well, you can tell how thankful a person is by the rule that's called the law of God. It shows, when you, when you live according to God's law, it shows that you're thankful for all that God has done and what He's doing and, and what He promises to do for a person as they live their lives. And now the Catechism says that prayer is the most important part of that thankfulness. That can be a bit confusing. For there's no commandment that says, you shall pray. You could argue, well, it's part of the first commandment. You shall call upon the one true God alone. It's part of the second commandment. You shall worship God as he commands. Uh, You could also say to pray is to keep the tenth commandment because it's about the desires in your heart. But if it's part of those commandments, how can it be the most important? Is praying more important than honoring your parents? Is praying more important than not stealing? Now, many religions do take this view of prayer. Many religions see prayer as one of the duties that you owe the gods. It's one of the things that you do. For example, a Muslim, he has to pray five times a day. And a prayer is tied to all sorts of protocols. It has to happen at the right time. It has to happen with the right posture. It has to happen in the right direction. You've got to face Mecca. And it has to happen in the right language. You have to do it in Arabic, even if you don't understand and speak Arabic. Praying is something you do. And that view of prayer has also found its way into Christianity. Especially the Roman Catholic Church and and Eastern Orthodox traditions 
place a heavy emphasis on ritual prayer. The solution to a sin, for example, is to pray a certain prayer so many times over. Set times, postures, words for prayers. And to make sure that you're doing it properly, you have this rosary. That's a chain of beads, and every time you've uttered a prayer, you move a bead over so that you know you can keep track of the prayers that you're doing. And our prayer life can be like that as well. It can be ritualistic. At mealtimes, for example, you won't touch your food unless you've prayed, however brief that prayer might be. Meetings and events are supposed to begin and or end with prayer. We feel a kind of a little bit uncomfortable when we have, for example, a concert and it just happens and there's no prayer at the start. And especially for those who, for, of us who prefer to pray in Dutch, there will be rote prayers, learned prayers. Um, Christian Renewal, the magazine, recently ran an interesting series of articles on that. Or we'll use the Lord's Prayer multiple times a day. And then we'll say to ourselves, well, it's the perfect prayer, right? It's so easy to, to view prayer as the most important work that we do. We might not be so good at keeping the Sabbath or, or at loving others or speaking truthfully about others, but we can all pray. And so we may figure it there. At least I got the most important bit done. But that's not what the catechism means when it says that prayer is the most important part of thankfulness. The thankfulness that God requires of us. Prayer doesn't belong in the category of good works. It's not one of the many things that we do for God. It can't be. Because prayer is something we're supposed to be doing all the time. Pray without ceasing. No, prayer is like breathing. Picture two children. I can picture them in Mr. V's class, grade four. That's where this kind of thing happens. What are you doing? And the other kid's a bit smart and goes, well, coloring a picture and sitting and looking and talking. Oh, and I'm breathing. Breathing. You know, any, every question, what are you doing, can be answered with that. What are you doing? I'm breathing. Because if you're not breathing... You're not living. Breathing allows you to do all those other things that are mentioned. If you don't breathe, you can't color a picture. You can't sit. You can't look. You can't talk. Think about it. I can breathe without talking. I can't talk without breathing. And that's how prayer is the most important part of our thankfulness. Without prayer, all good works become impossible. If you don't pray... You can't serve God alone. You can't honor His, his name properly. You, you can't be sexually pure. You, you can't devote your heart to God. You can't do anything without breathing. Well, you can't do any good in service of God without praying. And thus all we do has to be drenched in prayer. Everything we do has to be drenched in prayer. And the it makes logical sense. Works are only good if they proceed from faith, and prayer is the language of faith. If you can't ask God for your blessing 
for, for His blessing over your activities, well, then your activities aren't good. But it goes further. You must ask God for His blessings over your activities. Because without His blessing, Psalm 127, your works are in vain. And so, brothers and sisters, if the, if the success of our labor, all our works, depends on God alone, then we've got to ask God to be with us, to bless us. If you want to do good, you've got to pray. And so prayer is not something you do and then you're done and you can forget about it until the next time you have to pray. No, praying is actually something you do all the time. Even when you're not consciously articulating words or thoughts towards God, even, even when you're just busy doing ordinary stuff. Prayer is the language of faith. And you don't stop believing, right? You believe in God, not, not just when you're sitting in church or when you're reading the Bible or when you're folding your hands in prayer or, or when you're singing a song of praise to God. No, you also believe to, in God as you commute to work, as you eat a sandwich, as you paddle a canoe on a lake, as you kick a soccer ball, hit a puck, as you pay for your groceries. You even believe when you're sleeping in bed. You don't stop believing. And because you don't stop believing, you don't stop praying. Now there's another angle to this whole why question that we need to consider. And again, compare it to breathing. We can answer the question, why is breathing necessary, with the response, well, because if you don't breathe, you won't live. But that's not a complete answer yet. You could take it further. So why won't I live if I don't breathe? Well, the answer to that is a bit scientific, but breathing puts oxygen in your blood. And that oxygen helps, helps your body convert the fuel that comes from food into energy so that you can do things. Well, similarly, we've answered the question, why is prayer necessary with the response? Because if you don't pray, you cannot do good works. But, but that's not a complete answer yet. You could ask further. So why can't I do good works if I don't pray? Now, we might be inclined to think that the answer to that one is this. We need to tell God what needs doing so that God, who is in control of all things, will help us get those things done. We've got to pray, otherwise God doesn't know what to do. Kind of makes sense, because that's how it works in the human world. If one of my children needs help with their schoolwork, they're going to have to tell me. Otherwise, I won't know what to do. But that's not how it works for God. Again, remember how the Lord Jesus said, your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So we're not praying because God needs to find out what we need. God knows. He knows everything. He, he knows our needs even much better than we do ourselves. That's why, actually, there's no point to asking God for the same things often or having as many as people as possible pray for something. It's not going to change things for God. But God's providence, the fact that God knows what we need and will provide, doesn't make prayer redundant, unnecessary. No, prayer is still needed. Think of prayer 
as a ladder. Via prayer, constant prayer, our praise ascends to God. And via prayer, constant prayer, God's blessings descend on us. If the ladder is not in place, praise can't ascend and blessings cannot descend. Prayers are the instrument God gives us for Him to work good in our lives. And it works as follows. First, through prayer, we acknowledge and express our needs. That still ties back into Lord's Day 44. God wants our hearts. And preaching of the law impresses on us how we're totally unable to do any good of ourselves. The preaching of the law has us, instills in us the urge to be right with God, but we can't be right with God in our own strength. And, and so we turn to God with our need. We need forgiveness in Christ for all the wrongs that we've done and all the good that we didn't do and even for the evil that still clings to us. We need renewal through the Holy Spirit so that our desires change and the fruit of the Spirit may ripen in our lives. We need God to give us His grace and His Spirit. And prayer expresses that we acknowledge that need. And because that prayer is directed at God, addressed to God, prayer is also the expression of our faith in God. We acknowledge that we cannot rely on ourselves. We depend on God for all that we stand in need of. Forgiveness and renewal, they've got to come from God Himself. And so prayer is learning by experience that we need God for every moment of our existence. And in that sense, it does make sense to pray for something often. Because it has us realize what we are asking has to come from God. And then it also makes sense to ask others to join and pray for us and pray with us. Because it helps us realize, it helps us realize together that God's involvement in our life is required. So breathing puts oxygen in our blood. Prayer brings God's saving, blessing presence into our lives. We need prayer to understand our own needs and to understand our basic need for God. Indeed, we even need God where our prayers are concerned. Scripture says the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Because prayer is the articulation of our dependence upon God, it is the expression, it is the language of faith. And so, brothers and sisters, pray. Pray without ceasing. Your life depends on it. It's a vital element to your life of thankfulness. You'll never give your heart to God. You'll never live in obedience to God's law. You, you will never love God first and foremost and your neighbor as yourself if you don't pray. Prayer expresses your dependence upon God. And that brings us to our second thought, 
So how are we to pray? In response to the question, what belongs to a prayer that is, which pleases God and is heard by Him, the Catechism mentions three things. And those three things we learn from Scripture, from the Bible, need to be kept in mind as we pray to God. First of all, we must call upon the one true God only, and we have to do so from the heart. Now, we might be inclined to think, well, that's obvious, but in reality, it's not as obvious as it may seem. During the days when the Catechism was written, so that's about 500 years ago, and even today, people figure you do well to also pray to Mary and to saints. Or besides praying to the God of Christianity, also pray to the gods of, of Islam, of Sikhism, of Hinduism. But no, you should not. Prayer is reserved for God alone. Prayer is reserved for the triune God of Scripture. And because prayer is reserved for the triune God alone, there are two further matters that the Catechism stresses. We're going to pray from the heart, and we have to pray for all that God has commanded us to pray for. Pray for the heart because God is looking for our hearts. Because you've got to remember, and this takes you back to Lord's Day 44, through the law, God seeks our hearts. Especially the 10th commandment makes that clear. Prayer, as the language of faith, wells up from the heart. Prayer, that's that process of giving your heart to God. That's the motto of John Calvin, by the way. I offer my heart to you, Lord, promptly and sincerely. And so prayer should never be a custom, should never be a tradition, should never be just a ritual. In the Puritan tradition, it's been said, and I kind of like this, you should pray until you are praying. Think about that. You should pray until you are praying. What that means is you should pray until your heart is truly in it. You're not just throwing out a waterfall of words but you actually mean what you pray. And then the Catechism says you should pray for all that God has commanded. Prayer should not be us presenting to God some personal wish list. If, the, if we did that, our prayers would be filled with the desires of the flesh. But it's the desires of the Spirit that we need to seek to live by. And so we are to pray in accordance with God's will, God's guidelines, God's commands. Three things. Pray to the triune God alone, from the heart, as God commands. And then there's a second thing that we have to consider. Understand yourself. Understand your needs. Understand your misery, your accursedness. And understand God's greatness, God's holiness. Do, do not think lightly of God as you pray. Prayer is literally entering into the presence of God, is living with God. And that's no small thing. And so our prayers need to be marked by reverence, holy reverence. God isn't our buddy whom we're asking a favor. God isn't our slave who has to jump at our every beck and call. No, God is majestic. He's awesome. 
Scripture says we're to offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe because our God is a holy fire. The Lord Jesus once told a parable of two people praying. We're going to have a look at that together now. Let's turn to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, the verses 9 through 14, where we're told of the Lord Jesus. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and who treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. Pharisee is a person who knows the Bible inside out. Tax collector is a person who lived in sin. And the Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, wouldn't even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The tax collector went to his house justified. And what we often tend to miss in this parable is that the Pharisee went home not justified. The tax collector was right with God. The Pharisee was not right with God. And why? Because the Pharisee was proud while the tax collector was humble. It's pointing out to us, know who you are as you enter into the presence of of holy God. Pray to the right person. Pray with the right attitude. You've got to pray in faith. That's the third thing. Again, that may seem obvious. Pray in faith. Of course we pray in faith. Isn't prayer the language of faith? Yes, it is. And yet, how often is it not that we pray and then we wander? Is God really listening? Back when the catechism was written, people figured God was actually too holy to hear their prayers and that they were too sinful, too evil. And that's why they turned to saints as go-betweens. The saint is holier than you are. The saint's got much more chance of being heard by God. And the best saint to ask would be Mary, because Mary can talk to Jesus, and Jesus is sure to listen to his mom, and Jesus can then talk to God. No. Our go-between is Jesus the Christ. He is our mediator. And in him, says Hebrews, we have direct access to the throne of God. Now, that was back when the catechism was written. I think today our concern is more along the lines of God has predetermined everything. God is unchangeable. What's the point of praying? Jesus said, God knows your needs before you ask. So why bother praying? 
But again, remember that prayer is an instrument of God's providence. Prayer is the ladder. By the way, this is from the church father Augustine. I didn't make this up. Prayer is the ladder by which praise ascends and blessings descend. Prayers are heard by God because God has determined that He is going to use your prayer to bring about His will, to shower His blessings upon His people. We may not deserve it, but Christ deserves it, and we are Christ. And so if, 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 God, if God's people aren't praying it, God may very well not do it. That's what James said. You do not receive because you do not ask. And so pray in faith. Your prayers are heard by God. Pray. Your life depends on it. Again, the takeaway for this afternoon is this. Prayer is to the Christian life what breathing is to human life. We need to pray because only thus can we give our whole being. Can we also give our hearts? We need to pray for praise to reach God and for His blessings to reach us. And so be earnest and constant in prayer. With heartfelt longing, ask God for His grace, His Spirit. Thank Him for these gifts. Know God properly, know yourself properly, and pray in faith. But think about it. Stop breathing, and your body perishes in a grave. Stop praying, and your soul perishes in hell. Pray. That's the means that God chose to have us live forever. Amen. Let's sing of God hearing prayer, Psalm 17, stanza 3.
Praising God is also a form of expressing your faith, and let's now join the church of all ages and places in praising God by confessing our faith in Him with the Apostles' Creed as put to music and rhyme in Him too. Let's approach 
the holy throne of God in prayer and thanksgiving. Triune God, holy and righteous, merciful and loving, we come to you in prayer. This afternoon you had us instructed in the necessity and manner of our prayer. You've encouraged us. You've, you've commanded us to live a life of prayer, to pray without ceasing. Help us to do that. That by the power of your Spirit, have us do that. Have us be conscious how deep our need is for your grace and your Spirit. And so have us seek your grace and Spirit constantly and have us live every moment of every day for the glory of your holy name, expressing our praise through acts of love and loyalty that are drenched with prayer. And as we pray, Lord, we pray for society about us. We acknowledge you to be almighty God. We confess you to be ruler supreme. And we pray for our world, our world which is so troubled and torn by war, by fear, by, by immorality, by unfaithfulness and insecurity. Lord, we pray for peace in our world, not just an absence of war and strife for people, but we pray for your shalom, your peace, so that people praise you for your goodness. And so we pray that you'll bless those whom you've placed in authority over us, grant them wisdom to govern us well, to govern us fairly, and to govern responsibly. Have our governments understand and acknowledge that in the first place they are accountable to you and will have to give account to you as Almighty God to Christ as King of kings and Lord of lords. And pray, Lord, that you'll bless all those who serve in a capacity in society to make things work. There's much more to governments and making things work than politicians. Be with those who serve in the armed forces, those who serve in the police forces, those who serve in the courts, in penitentiaries. Be with firefighters and paramedics. Be with health care workers. We're constantly reminded of how they serve with risk to their own well-being, even to their lives. Bless those who are actively engaged in fighting the fires that burn in our province and in our nation. Preserve lives and property and may all be well again. Lord, we pray, will you be with all who engage in the public square to declare your will, be it as politicians, be it as lobby groups, be it with a view to education, be it simply as private individuals within the machinery of government, testifying in word and deed to colleagues around them. Lord, in every way, let your word not be silenced, let your voice be heard, and let there be appreciation for your truth. And may people come to understand not only that you are in control, but may they also understand that you are a good and gracious God who brings about true peace to that end, will you bless your people throughout the world. Bless the proclamation of the gospel everywhere, so that peoples in this world may, may know your will, may understand how it is good and right. Understand that you are not only a righteous and holy God, but also a merciful God, who sent his own Son into this world, so that this world might be saved. We pray for those who are persecuted. Bless them, so that they may continue to proclaim the Christ.
We pray for those who are coming to understand who you are and forming as churches. Bless missionaries and mission workers in their activities, whether it be in cultures that they are familiar with or cultures that are different from their own. Be with churches that have a long and rich heritage, that have a history, that have much to share, churches like our own. Grant unity and faith with others, Lord, and help us to be zealous for what you've entrusted to us, that we may guard it well and share it well. Lord, we pray that you'll bless us in our lives as your people. We thank you for all that you have given us and want to express our gratitude with our gifts. Will you use our gifts to ensure that assistance may be lended in the way of transport wherever it is needed in our world? We pray for Mission Aviation Fellowship, for those engaged in its work, for those especially who receive its services. Preserve lives also, Lord, when dangerous flights are made. And may it all serve the expansion of your kingdom. And so bless our gifts unto this cause. And bless us in the week that lies before us and all the things that we're hoping to do. May we rejoice in what you give us to do. Grant us health and strength to do it by way of work and labor, by way of studies, by way of recreation. Lord, keep us in your care and have us devote ourselves always to expressing your will in life so that people may see us and come to understand who you are and so praise you for your goodness and kindness. Lord, we look forward to the day when all things will be perfect, when your presence will be with us. May your day be soon. We ask it of you as yours and yours alone is the kingdom, is the power, is the glory forever. Amen. You now have opportunity to express gratitude to the Lord with your offerings. After your offerings have been received, we'll sing together Psalm 34, stanzas 2 and 7.
Receive now the blessing of the Lord your God and live in his peace. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.